0: Welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the surprising connection between songs past and present and share the fascinating stories that make music a universal language. I'm Joe Watson, and I'm here with my co-host, Toby Breswell. What's up, my friend?
1: Well, man, if I'm being honest, I've been better. I mean, theres are oh, no, some no. That's these super are some challenging, challenging. times, man. let's- well, you know what? We've had some sad episodes. I, I feel like <laughs> we need to flip the script a little bit. We do, we do. Well, that's why I'm happy to be here, man. I'm happy to to do this. This is good. I need this is therapy. You know, these are definitely some challenging times, and I'm old enough to recognize the moment for what it is. You know, this is kind of what I call a woodshed moment.
0: Oh, okay. I'm intrigued.
1: Please tell me more. Okay, all right. So jazz pioneer Charlie Bird Parker would practice his saxophone for 11 to 15 hours a day to not only perfect his skills, but to also help his music evolve. Now, he would call that shedding. And he mentioned that it would drive his neighbors crazy, which I can totally understand, right? 11 to 15 hours of saxophone. But I can't help but to think that it was also instrumental to making him the legend that we know him to be today.
0: Absolutely. Practice makes perfect, as they say, right? And that shedding term is supported by journalist and author Malcolm Gladwell in his book Outliers, where he states that it takes about eh, 10,000 hours to master a craft and reach the level of expertise, right? So, I mean, good stuff. And by the way, I love that book. And as a topic, I find this extremely fascinating. But please tell me what this has to do with today's episode.
1: Well, due to COVID, a lot of us have been working from home. And in doing so, we get a lot of time to spend with ourselves, right? And it certainly gives us time for some major introspection. Yeah, way too much, I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need more time with myself, I? Do I like me? Do I like me? (laughs) You like me. You
0: really like
1: me. (laughs) <laughs> well, it certainly gives us time for some major introspection, like I said, and it allows us to, to challenge our previous belief systems and maybe just maybe push our personal limits and try some new things. Maybe some music from different artists we haven't heard from before. Oh, okay, so I see where you're going now. So I would even venture
0: to say that is a perfect segue into our episode today, where we're going to focus on the global musical phenomenon known as BTS also known as Bachman Turner Superdrive
1: um no that is not what BTS stands for you're confusing them with BTO or Bachman Turner overdrive oh that's right. different my bad uh BTS BTS that probably
0: stands for blood tears and sweat
1: okay two things yeah. No again. Uh, <laughs> damn. Blood, sweat and tears is a great band. Right? And the BTS band that we are referring to actually has a song of the same name, but that's not what BTS stands for. All right.
0: Well, in that case it is time for me to get off the spinning wheel, allow you to take over and
1: tell us a little bit more about this supergroup. BTS or Bangtan Sonyeondan? is the name of the Korean boy band that has become a global sensation. So this seven-member group is composed of the following members. RM, Jin Sugar, J-Hope, Jimin, V, and Jungkook. Now, if some of these names sound like rapper names to you, there's a reason for that. This group actually started off as a hip-hop group and then later transitioned into more of a traditional boy band that we are familiar with here in the States.
0: Well, this is fascinating to me and further cements the notion that hip hop is the new rock and roll. And as you've said, the most influential genre in music right now. It doesn't seem like anybody wants to be a rock star anymore, right? They Everybody wants to be a rapper.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that is very true. I want to be a rapper, Toby. I just want to be cool like you. And you can be, Joe. You can know, be. I don't know that that's <laughs> in my wheelhouse. I've never tried. I didn't say, but... I didn't say a good rapper, I just said. You can be a fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> So, Bantan Soyondan is actually translated into Bulletproof Boy Scouts. So, BTS is essentially the Teflon Dons of the boy band world. Oh, well, does that make them the Steflon Dons of the rap game? Okay, too far. Flag on the play. Now you're just hurting me. Oh, well done. All right. well, before you get
0: too out of sorts, let me explain the concept behind the name. The group wanted to block out stereotypes and criticism on adolescents, like Bullets. Bam, 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 block them all. <laughs> now, that's something I feel that any of us that remember
1: what it's like to be a kid can get behind. Uh, can I say that I like your bullet sound effects? I'm bam, so, bam, bam, bam. I'm so glad pew, it was pew, like, pew, pew, <laughs> Wait, maybe that's lasers, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> music with a purpose, which to me is, is the best type of music to make. It's a lot better than like the creepy children's songs or the disturbing songs that we discussed in the last episode
0: yeah all right so let's talk a little bit about bts in june of 2013 they released their debut album too cool for school which clearly they didn't go to school because they spelled everything wrong (laughs) the album did actually chart at number five in south korea but it didn't reach the commercial success that they wanted because it only sold about 24,000 copies that year and then in january of 2014 they released School Love Affair, still don't know how to spell school, which (laughs) sold 250,000 copies. In August of 2014, BTS released their first Korean studio LP, Dark and Wild, which sold over 200,000 copies. And it sort of solidified their move into that R&B sound. Like they were kind of dabbling with the previous record, but now it's like, okay, this is the lane that we're going to play in.
1: So I've heard of this group over the years and I've watched their fandom grow. And one of the things that really separates this group outside of the fact that they're not from an English-speaking country is that somehow some way these guys have figured it out. I mean, let's face it. Outside of the Jonas Brothers and maybe before them B2K, boy bands have not been too popular, you know, for like the last decade. Or maybe I'm just getting old. I mean, what are your thoughts on boy bands?
0: Well, first of all, we
1: are old. We're not getting old, we are (laughs) old. First,
0: I think you're forgetting about a huge boy band in the last decade, One Direction. True that, true that. So I'm with you though that, look, generally speaking, I find that boy bands are, kind of manufactured by record companies. I mean, how many of these, One Direction, for example, right? They came out of, I forget which show over in the UK, but it was, it was mm-hmm. kind of like America's Got Talent or The Voice or something, whatever the British version of that is. So these bands are manufactured and they're sort of created to pander to young audiences. And look, that's not to say that there's not plenty of talent in those bands, but there's usually only one Justin Timberlake in
1: these outfits,
0: if we're really lucky.
1: Which is why the solo careers of all of the One Direction members is going to be really fascinating to watch. I mean, though they didn't break up, you know, instead they're calling it a hiatus. Oh, sure. So they had that in 2016. Each member has put out solo material. And so far, Harry Styles and Zayn seem to be the, the most successful, I would say, right now and the front runners on the charts. But I guess only time will tell.
0: Yeah, that is interesting. I, I feel like it, at the very least, where individually, there's a lot more talent in each of these sort of fabricated bands, so it makes a lot more sense that they can all kind of go off and and have their own careers after they've done their little stint
1: in their group. Agreed, agreed. One thing I also know is that from looking at all of the behind the scene footage I've seen from boy bands, it is a lot of work. You know, From my perspective, it certainly looks like all that hard work is paid off for BTS though.
0: Yeah, agreed. In uh, September of 2016, BTS, released their second Japanese studio album in Thailand, which is fascinating also, by the way, just as a side note, right? So they they make these Korean albums, and then they, they go and, and make these Japanese albums to kind of just spread their popularity and stuff. It's an interesting phenomenon. So that album's called Youth, and it peaked at number one in Japan and sold 500,000 in the first week. So clearly a good decision. The lead single was called here it is, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And that broke a record on YouTube held by previous K-pop groups with over 6 million views in Six one day. Six million.
1: Six mm-hmm. million views. In a day, man. That's, that's a good day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just <laughs> yes, ask Cube. So- Today was a good day.
1: <laughs> Very well said. Very well said. You know, and if you follow the timeline, right, in doing research on this, the dates are kind of confusing because it seems like literally... Every year, they've got like two or three releases every year. They work hard. And mm-hmm. No one can say that they don't. And it's, like I said, it's obviously paying off. Six million views. I mean, that's a lot of people watching some kids do music, especially during a non-quarantine time. Their next release was entitled Wings and opened at number 26 on the Billboard charts, which was the highest chart from any K-pop group. One of the many records they broke in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, and their single Mic Drop was the first K-pop song to debut in the Top 40 on Billboard. They are also the first K-pop group to have two singles certified gold by the Recording Industry of America. And they were also the first K-pop group to have a platinum single in the United States.
1: So we could literally spend the rest of this episode discussing how hugely popular BTS has become. Or you could just take our word for it and check out some of their music on the playlist for this episode. Let's now connect the dots to a blues legend. BTS has a song called Am I Wrong from their album Wings that actually samples a track from blues singer, songwriter, and Grammy Award winner Kev Moe. Joe, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about Kev Moe? Sure, so singer,
0: guitarist, songwriter, and keeper of the blues. Kevin Roosevelt Moore was born on October 3rd in 1951. He picked up the moniker Keb Moe from one of his drummers and the record label thought, that's pretty cool. So it just kind of stuck. Tope, you've got a great name too. To com- you could do that whole thing, that whole like combination of names. You've got that whole <laughs> t Braz thing going on. Like, you know what? You are going to be famous. I can feel it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in my mind, I'm already a legend. So no. it's it just <laughs> a matter of time before the world catches up. Yes, sir. Uh, or, or my wife smashes those dreams and tells me Aww, who I really am. Not. <laughs> so don't do it, Kaj, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> So Kevmo has already reached legendary status, accumulating five Grammys, playing alongside countless artists, and even taking part in a special White House concert celebrating American creativity. Yeah, but what's cool is before all of that, he was hanging out with Crimson Cephalopods. I'm sorry, what? Is, Is that the name of like one of his early bands or something? That's close
0: enough. So, see, one of his first recording gigs in the early 70s was with Jefferson Airplane. He was the guitarist, and then uh, there was a violinist, Papa John Creech.
1: So Papa don't preach, but he does play a mean fiddle? Okay, good job there. I like that.
0: <laughs> Keb Mo played on four of Creech's solo albums. And then in 1975, Keb recorded the song Get Fiddler with the rest of the whole Jefferson starship for their Red Octopus album.
1: Now I understand the cephalopod reference. See, isn't that just a cool word? Anytime you can drop <laughs> cephalopod, right? Like, I don't know. So that, the Red Octopus album went gold and spent four weeks at number one, largely on the strength of the hit single Miracles. Starship was making a deliberate commercial shift in their music with this album, and it worked. I and mean, let's put the Easy Listening track on our playlist for this episode, along with the Get Fiddler track.
0: Yeah, do you remember? Uh, do you remember we built this city? Oh yeah, remember to- yeah. That was that was the official to me. That was their. That was the whole jumping the shark moment for the starship or the airplane or whatever they were at the time. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, in 1980, Keb released a debut R&B album under his given name Kevin Moore. Unfortunately, the label it was released on, Chocolate City, promptly folded.
1: Yeah, so Chocolate City was a subdivision of the Casablanca record label. So you know what they said to Kevin on the way out the door.
0: Mm, Play it again, Kev.
1: (laughs) Either that or here's looking at you, kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of the two. Well, Casablanca was responsible for signing Parliament and releasing some of their most epic albums, including the platinum-selling Mothership Connection. So thank you, Mr. Bogart, for letting us enjoy
1: all that Bootsy baby. <laughs> I'll get you with a throwback to Riffs on Riffs Season 1 and all of our Bootsy love. Well, let's put a little give up the funk on the playlist just for this oh, episode. I like get
0: it. But you know what?
1: Better be careful when you crank this one because... Just might tear the roof off this mother (laughs) sucker. Keb spent the next several years touring and immersing himself in the Delta Blues tradition of Robert Johnson, who Keb has said he was heavily influenced by. He also appeared on stage in several versions of the musical Spunk, playing the appropriately named Guitar Man.
0: Yeah, and then his second album, simply named Kebmo, showcases his shift into traditional blues, including a couple of Robert Johnson covers.
1: This is also the album that contains the Am I Wrong track that BTS sampled for their song of the same name. Clocking in in just over two minutes, this track packs a lot of passion into a simple blues refrain. So like a lot of great bluesmen, Keb wields his voice and guitar with equal
0: power. And this song asks one of the most common questions of all time. Am I wrong
1: for loving you? Yes, a really good question. And I think my wife sometimes wonders that very same thing.
0: (laughs) No, sir, she does nothing of the kind. Well, you know, it is interesting that this, you know, the, the hook for the song is so simple. So it's fascinating that it just becomes this integral part of the BTS song of the same
1: name. The BTS track was produced by Sam Klempner, James Reynolds, and Josh Wilkinson. And in my opinion, it is a great example of effective sampling, not just for the sonic effect, but for the content as well. There is no doubt that
0: the lyrics for the BTS song are focused on being socially conscious, which is kind of startling, because if you look at the boy bands of yesteryear, it's not, they didn't really do that, right? It was all about the pop, and it's interesting that they've, they've chosen to do that.
1: Definitely. I'd like to take a moment to discuss the lyrics, but before I do, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Riffs on Riffs. Let's take a moment to discuss the lyrics. If what you see on the news is nothing to you, if that comment is nothing to you, if that hatred is nothing to you, you're not normal, you're abnormal.
0: Yeah, if you take away the beat, you take away the music, you close your eyes and you just listen to the lyrics, it's almost like this track could have been listed with some of the protest music we discussed a couple of episodes ago. You remember that Marvin Gaye tune, What's Going On? It was initially presented to the four tops and they they turned it down because they thought it was too political and they didn't want to risk losing fans. BTS is actually realizing success from going all in and being socially conscious by performing songs like this.
1: And these tracks are actively voicing the concerns and thoughts of the youth. That's nothing short of fantastic. And I'm hoping that songs like this will help people think more proactively about how we can make this world a better place.
0: You know, that am I wrong track isn't it's not a one-off on social consciousness either, right? So on the BTS album Too Cool for School, there's a song called No More Dream, where the lyrics tell young people that they they don't have to ad- adhere to their parents' expectations. Because, you know, as uh, the Fresh Prince once said, parents just don't understand. Oh, <laughs> Well done. But well more done. so that young people should be allowed and even encouraged to follow their dreams.
1: No, I totally believe and support that sentiment. I mean, it's crazy that your perspective changes, right, as you get older. As it should. As it should. (laughs) should. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I understand now as as a parent that you want your children to be successful and pursue their dreams. But sometimes it's hard not to assign your own dreams to the equation and try to make up for your own perceived failures as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you go to any high school game in America, right? So... You've got overly aggressive parents trying to relive their real or imaginary glory years through their children. and I have, I have two words for that. For shame.
1: <laughs> and another song called Dope, which comes off of their 2015 release, The Most Beautiful Moment in Life Part 1. BTS has lyrics that speak directly to the youth in South Korea and aggressively challenges them. Let's take a look at some of them. Given up on three. Given up on Five. I like the number six. How about giving up on six? The media and adults say we don't have the willpower, condemning us like stocks. Why are they killing us before we can even try? Enemy, enemy, enemy. Why are you hanging your head and accepting it already? Energy, energy, energy. Don't ever give up. You know you're not lonely. Our dawn is prettier than the day. So can I get a little bit of hope? Yeah, wake your sleeping youth. Go.
0: Yeah, so first, let's just acknowledge the fact there's definitely a challenge in translating lyrics and getting the true meaning of a song when it was originally written in another language. But we certainly get the gist of what BTS is trying to say. They are referencing the give-up generation, where due to social pressure and bad economics, people feel forced to give up on certain things. When the song says, for example, give up on three, it means giving up on courtship and marriage and childbirth. And this is called Sanpo.
1: Opo was translated to mean five in the Give Up Generation reference. In addition to the other three things that you just mentioned, we add two more to the list, employment and home ownership. There are actually 10 things on the list total. And the 10th is life. Ugh, that is, that's rough stuff, man. So, you know,
0: although the song doesn't actually touch on all 10, it does address that whole Give Up Generation the BTS song actually asks the youth to wake up and not accept things the way they
1: are and try to make things better. That's definitely the message that needs to be shared among the young and the old, and not just in Korea. And there's a generation of young people here who are referred to as the boomerangers, right? They're of the age to live on their own, but due to economic hardships, They found themselves living back with their parents. So it just kind of goes to show you that despite what continent we are on, a lot of us are going through some of the same issues. Yeah, no doubt. Life is life, man. So I also have to say I'm
0: frankly impressed that the members of BTS, especially at a young age, they're in touch with themselves and the community as a whole. They're actually choosing to be the voice of the youth and singing about political stuff, which is different from the type of songs that we would normally hear from a boy band. It was a beautiful thing. We know that music has power and the fact that this group has decided to use that power for good is truly inspiring.
1: So I'm going to be honest, I had no real idea of what K-pop was until recently. So for the listeners that may not be familiar, what is it exactly and why is it really getting popular now?
0: Yeah, great question. So K-pop is simply a shortening of Korean pop. And refers to music originating in South Korea. It's seen a huge surge in popularity over the last couple of decades. And when you combine it with the popularity of K dramas, which this fascinates me too, right? Because, you know, I've got a teenage daughter and she's watching like Korean, you know, with subtitles and everything, Korean stuff on Netflix. Wow. Um, so all of this is referred to as the Korean wave.
1: Social media and the internet have obviously helped eliminate global borders, but the Other interesting thing to note in regards to South Korea is that the government has specifically funded and subsidized the creative industry, recognizing that it is a powerful way to impart social influence and reap financial rewards. I mean, that's fantastic. (laughs) I mean, governments subsidize subsidizing art. I mean, you, God, you can't what get any better than crazy
0: concept. We're oh going su- to support the arts? Like, maybe there's some human value in that. And oh, don't say anything, Toby, but maybe there's financial benefit too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's part of the reason also that South Korean girl groups like Blackpink are shattering records, charting on the Billboard Hot 100. And look, there's no denying that from a pure entertainment standpoint, all of these acts are legit. And it's not just Korea either. If you want, if you want to see a show, go look up Baby Metal on YouTube and just sit back and. Well, I don't even know what to say. It's. it's
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I've seen some of the videos, and I can tell you that these groups are for real. I mean, they're just as talented as any other group that's out there. No, totally agree. Well, here's a hot take for you. Oh, all right. Lay it on me. I think that maybe, just maybe, K-pop groups might revitalize the boy band and girl band groups back here in the States. They might actually be able to crank things up past 98 degrees. I mean, there's oh, a chance, no. right? No, no, no. No more will liking boy bands be somehow, you know, just for, for alleys or, or back streets. Oh. I mean, we might finally have groups that are in sync oh, with stop. the young and help our children grow from boys to men. That's what I want. Uh,
0: all right, Tob. So when you start spewing stuff like this, I know that it is time to wrap up the show.
1: No, it, listen, I think it can happen. I think it's destiny for children everywhere. I think it's oh, destiny, child. You know, friend, you know what older. I have to say to that? What's no, that? no. no, no. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping that all of our listeners have the perspective that we've tried to provide you with a little TLC during this oh, episode. Oh, my God. He's still going, people. So that you can feel all the supreme feeling of Shangri-La wow. during the short period of time that we have with you. It's good to change things up and offer a little mix to, oh, to normalcy. No, really? <laughs> and add some spice. Okay, okay. Are you done? Are you done? Well, listen, one thing you can't have to say is I, I went all in one direction. Okay. On
0: oh, no. <laughs> you are done. You are officially done. So please take a moment and just tell the good people what we discussed this episode. I, I can't take any more. <laughs> that was great. Around this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you see, you are a legend in your own mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Give myself a little self applause. <laughs> So on this episode, we delved into the K-pop sensation known as BTS. We discussed their hit song, Am I Wrong? and the Kebmo song that is sampled with the same name. We also talked about the Korean wave and its global impact.
0: Well, as always, thank you for putting up with Toby, joining (laughs) us on this crazy journey, and be sure to check out the playlist for this episode on Spotify and Apple Music. Just do a search for Riffs on Riffs. While you're at it, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. It just might help someone else stumble upon our witty banter, bad puns, and that's putting me kindly. (laughs) Be sure to connect and dialogue with us on social at Riffs on Riffs. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time for Riffs on Riffs.
1: Keep listening. Huzzah. Thanks for listening to Riffs on Riffs. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your Apple Podcast app. Riffs on Riffs is a production
0: of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Eloia. Producer, audio engineer, Eric Coltnow, and assistant
1: producer, Declan Roars. You can find Riffs on Riffs anywhere and everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. I'm Toby Braswell, and I'm your co host, Joe Watson. Thank you for listening
0: to Rips on Rips.
1: One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.